of the American Scouser Podcast. Uh, today, I'm your host, Timuchin, and with me is the pride of Ireland, Jamie. Uh, Jamie, how's it going? <laughs> Not too bad, mate. Not too bad at all. Uh, so, I figured we kind of like start out by recapping the weekend, kind of like taking like a closer look to our boys and kind of like more a general look into the weekend itself. But let's start with the important people, Liverpool. Um what did you think about the game? I know it's, I mean, to me, I thought, kind of like Klopp said, it was probably the biggest banana peel. Uh, just coming from that long game in Istanbul, not to mention the travel from Istanbul, even though it is in Europe, you know, like, you know, it's still like a three-hour flight back and forth for these guys. Um, and I was afraid, I mean, going away is another thing. We were in home. Uh, so... I was kind of worried, and let's face it, the game kind of started worried till a brilliant moment from Mane, and then it looked like it was going to be really easy, cakewalk. I even started leaning back at one point, and then we had the ultimate Adrian blunder of the day, which kind of made things stressful again. But uh, what, were, what was your general take of the game uh, as a whole? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was um, obviously a... a uh, a long while back from from Istanbul, and and not only that, Southampton's a, a fair trip away from Liverpool as well. So it's good to good to get the the minutes we got in in Istanbul, and and makes it all the worthwhile with the three points uh, away to Southampton. Like big banana peel, they're a decent side. We're going to say this about a lot of the opposition we come up against. You know, I know we said it about Norwich; they're going to take points off teams this year, and the same with Southampton. You know. So, always good to walk away with three points. And I think, yeah, I mean, any away game in the Premier League, I think, is tough. I mean, uh, regardless of, like, the level of the opposition, I mean, going to an away field, uh, the fans, the atmosphere gets, like, that team going, and things can turn on you, the momentum can switch a lot faster than it can at home. And Southampton is one of those places... That is always tough for us to go and play, even, you know, like last year it was. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely good to get the three points and get out of there after, you know, what looked like one of the more challenging weeks on the schedule, like playing midweek when nobody else was, obviously, aside from Chelsea. But because um, we're going to have more of these weeks where, I mean, Champions League is one thing when everybody else is playing midweek as well. Uh, but I think the game kind of changes when, you know, like a week like this where we were the only ones playing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just think um, the way the way the team mentality is now, it doesn't matter where we go or or, or who we're playing against. It's um, we're just ready to roll no matter what. Like you, you take a look at Mane. He's come back off, off the AFCON duty. Um, a couple of weeks in between and and he's already firing on all cylinders like so that's that's a, a credit to to Klopp and and um and everyone behind the scenes yeah i mean it was definitely important when i mean like you say it's way too early in the season but hey any you got to get these three points i mean like you know we'll talk about it a bit later on uh, i mean they missed some points too but so let's bring in the howard stern of american scouts or podcast kazi <laughs> is with us now uh, so kazi we're just covering the game uh what did you think of the game in general the southampton game over the weekend exactly what i expected it to be to be honest uh 
I, uh, I don't know. Really, I can't think of the right word, but the bas- a bastard of a game, really. It, it, one that he didn't need after the, the Super Cup. Um, I, it's, it's very difficult, isn't it? Because I can't really say like anyone really played well apart from Mane. That you know, they were spits and sparts of good performances. You know, I thought Shamelin probably had his best game since he's come back. Um, it was it was just one of them games we just had to get through it. We just had to win the game, no matter what. Just win this football match and then worry about <laughs> Arsenal next week. Um, it is a banana skin. It's a big banana skin on the day. So no, I was. It's probably if we if if we look back on the season with success and we have to dream Premier League trophy. You'd want to you mark that game as probably one of the most important top three important games you'll play this season. I, that's like the weird thing, isn't it? I mean, things kind of have changed with the way the city and Liverpool went at it last year and the number of points like they kind of gathered. I mean, there are times where in the regular, I mean, let's go back, heck, let's go back three years ago, four years ago. I mean, there were some games where you were like, you know what, we'll take a draw over there. You know, we're good. I mean, that's a good away draw or whatever. You know, and then you'd be almost like content with it because they're going to drop points here and stuff like that. I mean, these two, the way we competed last year and looks like it will be the same this year, it almost like you got to win every single week, which is kind of like a weird kind of pressure. Yeah. Um, I think it's... I always look back on the um, Mourinho's... I think it was his second season at United when he finished second. I think he got 86 points. He played it like a title-winning season. So he was taking draws and things like that, like you normally would 10, 15 years ago. You'd, you know, you know, go to Anfield, saying draw and things like that, and you go, that's a good draw, and go to go to some park, draw, you think, you know, solid draw. And he got 86 points. Usually that would win you the league, or if not, definitely get you close to winning the league. But because City have just changed how, how many points they get, it made that kind of season that they had look a bit insignificant. They finished like 18 to 20 points behind. But, you know, I think uh, it's about yeah, 12, 14 points behind or something daft. But he got a lot of points. It's just that City are just a machine. They're just an absolute winning machine. And listen, I, I always say if we're going to win the league, if, you know, whether it was last year or this year, we're, we're, we're playing against the greatest squad of players ever assembled. And they kind of proved that again on the weekend, even though they never won. But you do need now. You can't take good draws anymore. You can't take them. The only draws you can take good draws in is is the is against your rival, your main title rival, and your derby. The only one you can kind of take a good draw in, because the rest you kind of like gotta go to the bridge and win. You kind of got you know you gotta go to Spurs and win, and it's gonna be extremely extremely difficult. I don't think it's gonna be over um, ninety five points this season. I think it'll be if whoever wins the league will be on about ninety three. That's my opinion anyway. I think about ninety three might win the league. I'll take that right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That, that, but you're not wrong. Like you know, gone are the days of um, of winning uh, boringly. Even though you know, like you said about about um, Mourinho's Reds, like they they those fuckers used to play terrible and still grind a win out. Like yeah. And we we've just come off our we've matched what is it Brandon Rogers' um, team yeah. in fourteen. So we've got eleven wins on the bounce in the Prem now. And yeah. we're almost, well, we didn't win ugly, but we made it nervous for ourselves in the last 10, 15 minutes there, didn't we? So it's just getting into the habit of, of getting your three points and getting your win wherever you go. Mm. 
I think so it's a, I think that. What did you guys think about that uh, huge blunder there? I mean, <laughs> I know what I thought initially, but and expressed it very well. But uh, what were you guys? What was your like guy reaction to that? I mean, he got away with it in the first half, and then to go at it. I mean, I think the thing that was the worst. It was almost identical. I probably this is slightly worse because the direct. You know, there's not a direct goal. At least Leicester had to pass. I think, uh, but. Um, like the same thing that Ellison did, like a game that was 2-0, put away, we're kind of passing the ball around, kind of like relaxing after the tough week kind of thing. Almost like Southampton already had turned the game in. They were waiting for the final whistle to kind of like everybody was going through the motions. That game was gone and it suddenly became a game. I think that was like the, the worst thing. And let's face it, Ains, you know, missed the sitter, well, like three, four minutes after that. I mean, we could have dropped some points there. Yeah, it's it's a bad one. Don't get me wrong. It's a bad. It's probably it's a worse than it's worse than Allison's because you had Allison didn't have much that time to think. Um, I think I, I did watch the Allison one back. It, it it's more of a it's not a bad pass, but it's a it's a dangerous pass as such. Should be still dealt with. But the Allison one, sorry, the Adrian one, he had about four or five seconds I think to before to deal with the pass. And listen, it's a, it's a it's a terrible mistake. But I think the thing is, he'll know that more than anyone. He don't need to tell him. He's the first person to know what he's did done and we all, I think we forget again I, 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 the Allison mistake happened early on in the season and he had the same rubbish written about him in the headlines and then of course that doesn't get spoken about anymore so it's up to Adrian to kind of you know rewrite their own headlines themselves I think we, and that's, I think he made probably one or two saves in that game which really kept us in the game the header I think from Yoshida it's a point blank header from three yards out and he saved fantastic it. save you know what I mean? And that's, of course, I always feel sorry for goalkeepers because as soon as they make one mistake, that's a goal. Players go out, like Salah, for example, made three or four mistakes, but they're never goals, are they? So when a keeper makes one, it's more than likely at least to a goal. So listen, it is, it's a bad one. Again, you'll know that more than anyone. But and I know what you said, it could have cost us points. But also could have been the Firmino missing the one-on-one when Mane's played them in. Yeah. I think it's 2-0. That could, you know, if Liverpool, if if Fenerio doesn't get the second goal, but also one nil, you know what I mean. So it always swings in roundabouts. I look at the miss. I I was more frustrated with the miss, or by Firmino. I know he made up for it with the second, and I get I, that's fine. I was more frustrated with the miss because it, it is it's a sitter. It yeah. is a sitter in old school English terms. There, it's a it's a bad one to miss. But I think Adriano know more than anyone. You know that we got we got a big game on the weekend, but he can come back out, and I think he'll be absolutely fine. I think it's better than, you know, letting a goal in where, like the manual I had in preseason, where it's like a shot from far away, just bounced <laughs> up and then went in. Because, yeah. I mean, this almost looks a lot more preventable. Yes, I will release the ball earlier and we're done. Because really, aside from that, both goalies, I thought, were having a great game. I mean, as I was thinking about, I mean, that's what I mean. I was leaning back and everything, which rarely happens for me. Uh, and already thinking about, you know, what my five points would be when I wrote my, uh, like, for the blog. And one of the things I was thinking at the time was, man, both goalies had like a huge game. Adrian had a couple of big saves, especially in the first half. And, you know, let's face it, you know, their goalie kept them in the game. Uh, Robo shots. I mean, there were like multiple that could have gone in. The game could have gotten out of control a lot earlier. So I guess in a way, the way the mistake happened and he let it in and we got away with it. We got out three points, kind of like Ali did. Hopefully he'll learn from that too and release that ball a lot, a lot earlier. Yeah, and that's what I was screaming for. Just just 
just hit it first time. Like he, he got away with a few in the first half. Um, there's that one where he gets closed down right on the byline. And then there's another wayward pass where he hits out wide. And I, I'm sitting there screaming at the TV, you know, just first time, row Z, get rid of it. But um, obviously he, he is a player, uh, a, a keeper that likes spreading it around with his feet. You know, he's got that Spanish flair in him there. But, you know, like you said, um, it's it's not as bad as a, a, a goalkeeping calamity where it, yeah, it'll yeah. really zap your confidence. Like like you said to Muchin, you just, you know, you yeah, just don't do that anymore. Get rid of the ball or or let it go out for a corner, anything, you know? Yeah, I, I, and again, as I say, I, we don't know what he's like in training, what he's been told in training. You know what I mean? He might be, he might, he might have went there on first day and he was whacking the ball up there like, hey, mate, you're not, you're not at West Ham now, trying to find Andy Carroll. Yeah. That was a cool fella. <laughs> Fucking we're spreading the ball around him and picking, pen up, picking men up and things, do you know what I mean? So he's probably getting encouraged to do the same. Every goalkeeper would love to smash the ball into those here. It makes their job a lot easier. <laughs> so 90% of keepers would love to do it, but... As again, they don't, teams don't want to play like that anymore. I feel, I don't, it's not that I feel sorry for him because I think he'll come back. I think he's absolutely fine. He, he recognised straight away. I think Virgil would rather wear them and listen, I'll relax, it's fine. We've won the game. Don't worry about it. Move on to the next one. Just, you know, if it, if it, if it comes a considerable, you know, keeps happening, then of course there's something to look at. But as you just said, it's not a goalkeeper calamity. He didn't drop it into his own net or anything like that. It was just, probably overconfidence or maybe just a bit of a laxing concentration. I think it could have been he, he maybe was carrying a wee bit of um bit of a knock from the Stuart and the, the fan and maybe. he was maybe yeah. probably trying to, you know, stay away from a, a tackle, you know, and maybe. so you know, hopefully it's just one of those things where it's it's out of his system now. Like like Klopp said, he's like you've you finally arrived, you know, you're a new <laughs> goalkeeper who's who's made a mistake at Liverpool now we can move forward. <laughs> yeah, I, I personally think it was more like overconfidence because, you know, yeah. Trent was wide open on the right and he knew and, this, you know, Ings knew. Everybody knew the ball would just rotate that way. And I think he was kind of like a little overconfidence and tried to play to Fabinho, you know, like in the middle where nobody would expect kind of thing. But, yeah, kind of like backfired. But like, like you said, I mean, uh, it's something that can easily be avoided. And I think it's something... That's going to affect his confidence at all. Aside from that, I thought he had a good game. He's not as good as, obviously, Ali. And, obviously, not a lot of goalies are going to be the guys, uh, the best. I mean, one of the best, if not the best goalie in the world. So, it's kind of hard guy to replace. But yeah. he wasn't yeah. as commanding in the box, I thought, as, uh, like, Allison normally is. Some of those corner... Like, the one, the huge save he had, which was just, like, a, I mean, awesome reflex save... But if you think about it, that ball is probably not being headed over there if Ali is in goal because he would have probably either grabbed that one or punched mm -hmm. that one away. But I thought in overall, I thought he had a good game in all, you know, in goal where, I mean, I was not worried about the goalie, which is, you know, not something that we could say if probably like, you know, like if Megs or somebody else is in goal. Yeah, I, I, think, the, I think the strong point as well is just that um, you are right. I, I thought that as well. I thought it was close, like where the keeper could come and get it. But again, James brought up a great point. He could be injured. He could have had an inject injection before the game. He doesn't want to fucking go flying into defenders and trying to, like, knock the ball off Virgil and Yashida, both jumping up for it, you know what I mean? And trying to claim it. Comes down for him on his ankle, then, you know, big Andy Lono's in goal. So, yeah. it's, it, it, you know, I think he, he might be like, take it easy. You've got a week left. 
a week to recover for um, Arsenal. Maybe that's another thing that's in the back of the mind. But I agree. I thought that was a bit tight. But I think I think he'll be absolutely fine. To be honest, I, I don't think we've got anything to worry about. I think it's just kind of this game kind of proves the point that, as I said, I think I said on the previous podcast about when Origi starts for Mane, about how important Mane is, and that's what the whole game's based on. And it's a bit like the Allison Adrian thing. If we're trying to place the best player in the, the best goalie in the league, we're probably trying to at the moment when Origi plays, trying to place the best player in the league. So it's very difficult. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it really looked like the first half, it just quality kind of won the half, didn't it? I mean, they had their yeah, chances yeah. they couldn't take, and that was not even a chance. He kind of, like, created that out of nothing, and the great shots, and, like, kind of, like, gave us the lead. And, you know, like, Kazi, like, alluded to it earlier, like, there were not a lot of great performances, and there were not a lot of, like, extremely poor performances if they're just an average, average game. So, Jamie, let me ask you, I mean, like, any specific performance that you were pleased with or worried about one way or the other? Well, I'm going to get this out of the way real quick um, because, obviously, we're in a position to uh, eat a bit of humble pie. We bit of a mention to Danny Ings getting his goal against us. (laughs) (laughs) He said it, Laugh. Who said it? I can't remember who said it. Was it you? It was I. (laughs) That's why he's bringing it up. It's all on me. So I'll take that one squarely on the chin. Especially (laughs) said as we won 2-1. I I could live with that. But um, obviously Mane for uh, a goal and assist. um, Phenomenal first strike. Like he was, uh, he heard his um, his, uh, interview. He said, yeah, you know, I just, just seen a gap in between this, the two centre backs, and I just hit it. <laughs> no, no one else seen that gap on the whole field. <laughs> he went, I'm not going back and squeeze a ball, top in from there. Unbelievable. Unbelievable is right, and um, and and like Kazi said as well, good to see uh, Chamberlain get um, get some good minutes and and actually affect the game. Uh, so good to see his contribution. But um, yeah, other than that, it was. Uh, Three points and we move on, you know. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think with Mane, he should have got the other assist as well. When Firmino missed the shot, yes. like I mentioned. Yeah, you know, that that was that was an unbelievable ball. That you know, honestly, probably I mean, almost too casual. I know exactly. I think it probably it probably was that to be honest. Um, he should have tried the no look. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's. Uh, <laughs> I, but as I say, Mane, Chamberlain, great. I was gutted for. Um, for the defence, really, for the clean sheet. Because I don't know if you've watched about with the Ings goal. You can see Virgil van Dijk just, like, go to his knees. Yeah, absolutely. I just, yeah. I just have to say, fuck, just let me get this clean sheet under my belt, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's something. I just felt the players, I, 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 said, I said when I was watching the game, we're going to get to the 60th minute, and you're going to find out if they want to win the league or not. Because they're going to be knackered. The legs are going to be hurting them. And they're going to be like, my God. And then you've got Danny Ings chasing every down lost cause in the world. Yeah. And... You know, it's going to be tough. So, listen, probably average, not average average performance, 6 out of 10, probably, if you have to rate the whole performance on a whole, apart from a few little shoots of quality. So, but that, to be fair, shoots of quality should be most teams in the bottom eight in the league. Little shoots of quality where you can be average and you've got a bit, you know, bits of quality and you like that. Southampton will be fighting relegation this season. And to be honest, it's not difficult to, to see why, is it really? Yeah, I agree. I thought... Um... Like, they did not look that 
impressive and they were home that i mean that could, that's a team that can definitely struggle like just looking at like who they have available uh is kind of like concerning for them in the long yeah, run but yeah. it's a huge like win for us good away win three points after you played midweek uh kind of like got like a howler out of the way so but i agree like it was kind of like I don't know if you would necessarily call it winning ugly, but definitely winning with an average performance, which is a sign of a good team, a quality team. That's why you have those guys to kind of like make something out of nothing. And, you know, and Mane definitely did. So so after, as the blood pressure levels kind of came back to normal, uh, the other game kicked in uh, where City played the Spurs. And kind of probably the ideal scoreline for us. It was a great game to watch. I mean, you know, in terms of like football, ideal scoreline for us. I mean, that just that VAR uh, drama at the end. I mean, in comical in some ways, because how can it happen again? I mean, deja vu all over again. Um, so, I mean, what did you, I mean, it was almost enjoyable to watch. I mean, I, I couldn't decide if I was just enjoying it too much, like in a sadistic kind of way, or some part of me were like really was feeling bad because I'm like, man, I mean, how does it happen again? And it was such a weird call. So before we even go back to the call and talk about the VAR and the new rules and stuff like that, uh, what did you guys think overall uh, about the game and the result and everything like that? Oh, Manchester oh. City, it's happened again. It's <laughs> happened again. <laughs> brilliant, isn't it? It's absolutely brilliant. Like, let's, be, let's be fair, they battered them. It was the most one-sided game of football you'll ever see <laughs> without a team winning a football match. It's the most undeserving point a team's ever got in a game of football before. They counted City. Spurs had two, three shots, and one was from Harry Game for about 120 yards. You can't <laughs> count that. So, listen, they're a phenomenal, phenomenal football team, and the freaks of nature. I, I thought that, and if we're going to win the league, or if we're going to beat them and win the league, we're going to need things like that to go our way. We really are, because we're going to need every ounce and dread of luck to go our way. The performance, City can sit there and go do the same again. I think my favourite part of the whole game is that Pep Guardiola brought up Allison penalty on the Wednesday. It's yes. absolutely brilliant. We just live in his <laughs> yeah, What was that? I'm like, holy cow. Way to dig into the archives. <laughs> We're the biggest team in the world. Absolutely no one's bigger than Liverpool. They can't be. He's bringing up a game that his team has never been played in. A box of penalty from four days ago. Like... <laughs> Oh, it's absolutely wonderful, but you know, we can get onto the rules, I'm sure we're going to, but it, it, <laughs> it had to be City, didn't it? It just had to be City again because of the Champions League course and now this. It's just, it, I'm not going to lie. After we won the game, listen, if we would have drew the game 2 2, I wouldn't have found it that funny. But after we won the game and got three points, it was nice to sit there and enjoy it a bit more. It was perfect. <laughs> my my favourite bit didn't happen on the pitch. My favourite bit was. Between Pep and Aguero just arguing <laughs> on the sidelines. And, and then they're kissing the mate and up. I know. <laughs> for, like, for like 25, literally. I, I, he's hugged Aguero more than I've hugged my wife in the last three years. And <laughs> I swear. That was some really cringy moments. And the, I, the funniest thing was, as they were making out on the sideline, the goal was being overturned on the other side. It was just like the ultimate combination there. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful, honestly. And then they have that moment. It was a bit like in the Champions League when he dropped to his knees. After that, he just ran into the crowd and things. And then he had that <laughs> moment again. It's just, honestly, it's... I love, uh, I love Pep. We all know he's a genius. I like... 
the team, as I, again, the greatest team ever. And it is nice just to see them get a bit of comeuppance, to be honest. You know, and actually, to be fair, in a Liverpool point of view, you can sit there goalless and lads for two games in, or they got two points off them. You know what I mean? Two points on them. You can yeah. write that down, boys. You know what I mean? It's that kind of thing as well. It's a, and I think the big, a big result again was like last uh, last night, the United result. The last thing we needed was United to try and get some momentum. Yeah. United go win five, six games dead early on in the season, win like four, five back to back. I'm not saying they're going to be in a title race, mate, but you don't want them getting confidence. With, with the a win, they could have went top. Exactly. And with the yes. qualities that they've got, mate, it's, you know, you don't want that. So I think that was another massive result for Liverpool, to be honest, this weekend. I mean, yeah, if you go, I mean, you know, Chelsea drawing, which, you know, I don't see them as a, you know, as big of a threat, obviously. It doesn't look like they have enough horses to run the race. But, uh, and same thing with United. And what a goal that was by the Wolves. That was just like a classic. I mean, holy cow. And yeah, though that was, I mean, it was a great weekend. When you look at the end, it was a great weekend. Everything that we could have hoped for literally happened where everybody lost points and, you know, apart from Arsenal. And I, honestly, like watching, like you're saying, like City just totally dominates Spurs. And if Spurs really do lose Ericsson, I don't know if they're going to be able to hang on to third with the depth they have, especially if they lose Ericsson. Go ahead, Jamie. You can take that, mate. Yeah, I, I feel. I feel like he's he's their linchpin. Um, there, there was obviously a time a few years back where every team in Europe was linked with him. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I honestly don't see them holding together. I mean, they've got decent players. Um, Son, Mora, uh, Harry Kane, if you want. Um. But uh, yeah, I feel like if they if they lose a player like Ericsson, he much like Hazard, he just conducts everything. Everything flows through him. So um, it'd be interesting to see. Hmm. Even the entire first half, like Lamella, I know he got the goal, but he kind of looks lost and gets bullied around in the middle there. Uh, so yeah, like you're saying, everything goes through Ericsson, and that was my thought. I mean, they totally got outplayed throughout the game. I mean, it didn't look like you know the yeah. third team in the league playing like you know the top team or the second team in the league. It almost looked like they were like fighting for their lives in the Premier League. If you, I mean, if you look at the stats, look at the game overall. If you don't look at the names and know that they're you know they have quality on their lineup. It just the gameplay looked like they were just hanging out for dear life, which you know most of the time they were. But I mean, it's a great result for us at the end of the day. But yeah, what do you yeah. guys now that it's been two weeks and a lot of like Vieira stuff going back and forth and new rules? I'll start with you, Kazi. Like, what's your take? What's your biggest beef? I mean, we all enjoy this, but you know it's going to come back and like hit us at one point too. So I was afraid actually when they were watching the Wolves goal. But I was like, man, that awesome goal can kind of get called back for half an inch over here, if that. But so, what is your overall take on it? Ah, man, uh, I think it's extremely difficult to be honest. I look at it right and think VAR is there for a reason. It's there to stop cleaning obvious decisions. A player is not trying to gain an advantage when he's half a shoulder offside. He's not. I'm here to watch football to see goals. Right, and see excitement and see all these brilliant players, the talented players, do special things with the ball that I can only dream of. So, when you're Neves goal, for example, wonderful goal, great finish, 
you're marking something that the ball, it literally come on. He's, he, he wasn't offside, of course, but he would have been at a shoulder, half a shoulder offside. How was that an advantage? There's no advantage there. I say this all the time, the offside rule was built so people from goal-langer from lumping the ball up 60 yards and he's standing by the goal and he knocks the ball in. That's exactly why the offside rule was built in. Why are we at this point where, for example, the handball rule, <clears throat> now whether you like it or not, right, that's the rule. So VAR got the correct decision. Now, it's not a problem with VAR that the handball happened. It's a problem with the rule. So, why was the handball rule created? It's to stop you from picking the ball up and throwing it in the net. That's why the handball rule was created. So why are we marking something and someone like the actual fact itself? It's hit it's on his arm. I understand he kind of gained an advantage and he scored off it. It's not deliberate. He didn't know about it. It should never be handball. Never, ever be handball. I don't watch football as well to get every correct decision right. You need a bit of controversy in the sport. It's one of the talking points about the sport. It's one of the wonderful things about the sport. It should be there to stop clear and obvious errors, as it's stated which is clearly offside, and which I'm talking more than a foot offside. Like, I'm not talking a whole foot, I'm talking like the length of your foot, guys, or like six inches offside, or something like his head's offside, but you can quite clearly see and he's looked to gain the advantage, or a deliberate handball, or a course of sending off and things like that, which the referee would have missed. What are we playing at? Like, it's not handball in any... Case and scenario, of course, the rule says it's handball, but let's be let's be real. Not we've all played the sport, of course, not at a like high level. It's not handball, and the offside decisions that are getting given, like the one against Sterling, particularly against West Ham, it's not offside. It's not even it's it shouldn't even be a conversation that he's a shoulder offside. Are we actually getting that politically correct that we have to be that you know that's what we need to be at? It's just you know it is it is tough. It's hard, um, but and especially why. Why didn't they pick up the VAR pick up the Rodri incident with Lobella? In the yeah, that's time? true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what it's there for. It's a penalty. <clears throat> why? Why do you have to need to break the ref just to go? Hey, buzz the ref and go. Oh yeah, by the way, that's a penalty, mate. You've missed it there. Like, why hasn't that even been reviewed? Yeah. Do you know where these guys are based? They're based in Heathrow Airport, about ten minutes away from Heathrow Airport. You know, you have the game. Yeah. Like, are we? Are, I don't know. It just seems. I think VAR could be great for football, but as it as it stated, clear and obvious decisions, but blatantly offside, blatant. So the one I always sticks out to me. I don't know if you remember the game, was the Cardiff Chelsea game last year, when Aspilicueta is about four yards offside and he scores. Yeah. That one, because that basically cost Cardiff the place in the Premier League. Which I don't yeah. know if it was Neil Warnock, so they, he can fuck off. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I was, was going to say that. I'm not feeling bad for that dude, but. <laughs> but it's the, but it's there for them kind of reasons. To be fair, it's also if if you want to get real like an, an issue which could have affected Liverpool, Andy Robertson could have been sent off on Lionel Messi. He could have yeah. been sent off. Yes. And people forget that you know, and, and VAR was used in the Champions League. It was never used. But if that was a, if that means that that was Salah on the floor, and someone done that to him, we'd all be going, why didn't he send him off for that? Or why isn't he booking him for that? But it never got used for that. So. They're the kind of issues that I want to see it get used for. Not for shoulders, not for, you know, and clear of penalty decisions also. And this, why do you need VAR on a penalty? It's one phase of play. It's one kick of a football. Oh, yeah, we need to see if it's featured on the line. So what are the what are the three linesmen doing then? The two yeah. linesmen that you have, and then you go referee. What are they doing? Why, why, why don't two linesmen, one stand one side, one stand the other side, and look at the line? 
I, I, I don't know. It just seems like we're getting very over technical, and we're getting all you know very computer generated. I think I think it's also affecting people who actually go in the games and people sitting at home. It might benefit us more because we don't get to go to many games. So when you're at the game, mate, I can see you being absolutely frustrated to hell. Yeah, exactly. Well, before I go on my rants, uh, what do you think, Jamie? <laughs> um, well, you know, obviously with the evolution of the game, everything's faster and, you know, I, I, I get why they've um, instilled VAR and, and goal line technology, etc., etc., um, and you know the whole handball thing. Back in the day, it used to be ball to hand or hand to ball. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like there, it's all taken on this evolution, and and we've now got to this point now where um, nothing should be getting by um, the guys at Heathrow. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, it it's a fast game, and you know I I don't think when they thought uh, oh we'll put put VAR into the Prem this season I don't think anybody would have thought by the second week it would have already caused mayhem um, <laughs> but it has and look they, they said uh, they're they're not going to be reviewing the rules until January or something I, I believe I read mm -hmm. um, but it you know they, they've got to get this right it's, it's you, they're already stopping replays at stadiums now um, for VAR reviews now, like we're talking about, if you're a fan at the ground, you want to see the game, and you want to see the review. You want to see the the highlights on the big screen while you're there. You know, you, it, mm. it's just it is affecting much more than um, than just the three points. And and like you said, Cardiff last year pretty much getting relegated. That's seventy or eighty, ninety million pounds sterling. You know. Mm. Um, so they've got to get it right, and they've got to get it right soon. I think it's some. I mean, like I say, most like the, the city one. I mean, it wasn't really VAR. It was more the, the stupid rule. I mean, it just. Yeah. I mean, the handball rule is something that definitely gonna have to go back and take a look at, and kind of like either like fix the the wording on it or whatever. But I mean, if it's not giving a clear advantage, and in that case, even if it is, it was definitely not intentional. I mean, if that happened to us, we would be livid. If you know, we. I mean, yeah. even if it isn't the rule, it just we would be livid. I think you know, going back to what like Kazi is talking about, I think my probably biggest beef is the fact that it does really take away a lot from the overall excitement of the game. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, even in goals, you know, who's the most confused about this is my dog. Because um, <laughs> I mean, I talked about it before. You know, he gets a, you know he gets a snack every time we score. So, and he knows by my yelling when we score, but now, you know, like when we score, I yell, he's running to the jar. I'm like, hold on, bro. We got to wait for VAR. Before you get the snack, I can't take the snack back. Uh, so, hey, when do we play Arsenal at home? We usually put five past them. Is <laughs> <laughs> that this weekend? Get in. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's that's the part that is probably bugs me the most. It does take away from the excitement. Uh, but having said that, I mean, we do want the calls to be right. And I know what you're saying, Kazi, but in some ways, that's got to go into the wording. We They can't be like, well, that's too much upside. That's a shoulder, shoulder and a foot and stuff like that. But I know what you're saying. I mean, it's to the millimeter. Yesterday, when they were showing the replay and they had the VAR going for Wolves goal, 
I mean, did you guys notice how they were drawing that line and that line's yep. angle yeah. kept switching? And then, you know, like one second, it looked like offsides, one second, it looked like offsides. I'm like, depends on how you draw that line. I mean, they kept switching that thing. And I was like, I mean, this is not really what we had in mind. I mean, like I say, we do want the calls to get right. And I guess there is no way around it until they kind of like work on it more and to improve it. I'm more honestly, more than VAR, I would, some of these rule changes make no sense to me that handball one is one. The ball stopping anytime it has to ref has to be the stupidest rule ever. I mean, I understand like probably something happened somewhere and they got to make a change, but I mean, they're like stopping it at all times. I mean, we don't stop for fouls, we say advantage. Why do they have to stop it when it hits the ref's ass and falls like right next to the guy who just kicked the ball? Why can't we just keep playing? Nope, we got to stop everything, and we don't even have, a, like, a drop ball anymore. So, like, what was the point of this? You just picked up the ball and gave it back to the guy who already had it, and we just lost 30 seconds of the game and 30 seconds of some other action that can happen. So I'm hoping they kind of, like, revisit some of these rule changes and tweak them a little. Maybe in some ways it almost feels like they're trying to take away – making it so black and white that there's not a lot of gray area for the referee in the middle to be responsible for. But that, like, hitting the ball, like the ball hitting the referee, that should be a call that should, the referee should be easily be able to make. Leave the guy some gray area. I mean, he has a lot of gray area in, play, in terms of playing advantage and calling fouls and stuff like that. Just give that to him so he doesn't have to stop the game anytime the ball touches him and things like that. But I'm hoping they're going to kind of like tweak it around and like improve on the wording. One would hope that they would have done it before we started the season. But mm. I guess, I mean, it's only been two weeks and you got to figure, I mean, we'll probably be revisiting this topic uh, more and more as we go in the season. Hopefully it won't hurt us uh, and it'll only humor us when we watch City. Uh, but so before we kind of go away, I kind of want to pick your guys' brain on this because uh, I'm sure we'll talk about the Arsenal game on Thursday's podcast a lot, and and yeah, I'm sure Stitch is going to be excited about that one, especially after Socrates talked crap about. Uh, did you guys see that that he said that Burnley was yeah. harder to defend than Liverpool front three? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck are you going on about? Absolutely murdered you inside 20 minutes. You big stiff idiot. Oh. Ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. I was like, what are you talking about? It's just like, what? Are you trying to give them a compliment? Are you asking for it? Why would you... Why are you trying to wind them up? Don't wind them up. Don't make them angry. They took it easy on you last year when you put the five and went, you know what, we'll just stop now. Come on, this is getting harsh. Now do you want to put eight past you? Yeah, I don't know why you would even like give that kind of material, but uh, hopefully we'll make it pay for that one. But what I wanted to guys to pick your guys' brain about was Sturridge, because I read the news today. Like, so he is in Turkey right now, and he's supposed to sign for Trabzonspor, which is the how would I compare it? Uh, the Everton or the Wolves of the Turkish league? Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? It's not even like he's going to one of the big dogs in Istanbul. Uh, are you guys surprised that no one rolled the dice on this guy, or is demand so obnoxious that everybody is like, dude, you can break any minutes, we'll go with somebody else? Uh, I, I, I think it's that, I think it's the latter, I think it's just demands. I am um, the guy's 29, and in the Premier League, mate, if you can get if you score probably 12, if you've got a player you can get you 12, 13 goal Premier League goals, you probably stay in the league. Um, 
that's how it probably kind of works out. No one goes down with a goal scorer in the team. No one gets relegated with a two. I usually done it with a player. Then you can get your fifth, oh, at least around 15 goals. It's very rare that anyone gets relegated for that. So, when you've got a player like Sturridge, I'm not saying he should go to a relegated side and things like that, of course. But you can't tell me he can't do a job at the bottom 10 Premier League sides. You know, uh, you look at certain teams especially. I even look at Leicester with Brendan Rodgers. I'm thinking, go and play 20 games there. You'll, you'll get 20 games. He, he would, you know. Like, for Vardy as an option coming in. I, I was I was thinking that would have been a perfect little match for him, really. And if he wants to play two up front, Brendan, which he likes to do, then at Liverpool, of course, with Sturridge. Sturridge and Vardy, if Sturridge stays fit, is a, you know, a really great combination. But he's went another way. I think it's a sad little move to, for him, to be honest. I think he's probably just cashing in. But he, he won't be, I think he'll be gone by January. I think it's just one of them, just to get three, four months match fitness. And then the MLS will probably come calling or something like that when their new season kicks in. And he'll end up going somewhere like there, maybe in March. I think their season kicks in. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, it's it's surprising. But I also can see it as well. It's, and it's always always a good experience, especially for English players, to go away and play in a different country because it's very rare any of them actually do it. Yeah, I just thought, you know, he's not even going to not leave him on top team. I mean, we know Sturridge. Uh, like his personality, you know, he's like a flashy dude. I mean, he's going to Trabzon, which is nothing like what he's, yeah. what he's used to. I mean, he's going to be a fish out of water over there. I mean, I could have seen him, like, I know, like, for a while, the word was, you know, like, he might go to Fenerbahce in Istanbul and stuff like that, which, you know, he'll be in Istanbul. And, but I think, I know, like, his wage demands were high and the fact that it's a high risk for anybody to kind of commit to those wages for somebody who could potentially sit out all season because Turkish league is pretty physical and they will kind of like almost um, kind of like will you out of the game by like some hard fouls and stuff like that, especially when they know uh, you're like a little vulnerable. So I was just amazed that nobody, like you're saying, like somebody in the bottom 10 or even like, you know, like there were rumors last year that he might go to Spain and stuff like that, that nobody in a top league or a, like a well-known club took a chance at him. So what's your take, Jamie? Like, I read uh, I read an article of somebody absolutely slamming Sturridge. Oh yes, saying that he wouldn't even buy, uh, get him on a pay-for-play basis. And I mean, he he's been rumored here, there, and everywhere. He's been rumored in the in the French leagues. Uh, DC United wanted him, um, but like like we touched on, like his wages are got to be high. Um, for me, he's he's still got work to do. You know what I mean? Like he's still he's still got work to put in on the pitch, and I'd I'd hate to see nobody sign him. But um, mm-hmm. uh, going to going to Trabzonspor might um, might be a blessing in disguise if they can afford his wages. You know, it he might um, he might rekindle his career out there. You know, who knows? Um, but I think it would be a, a big shame. To, to not see him play in in the Premier League, I, th- I think he could still do well for a club, um, you know, maybe a newly promoted club or whatever. But it's uh, it's definitely talent that nobody really tried to pick him up. Yeah, I think it's listen. I think it's a fitness thing. Let's be honest as well. He's probably not going to get out of second tier gear in the league. 
um, which might shoot him down to the ground because he never really got out of second or third gear for Liverpool in the last couple of years. So it might shoot him down to the ground. Um, I don't think he'll be there past um, the MLS start of the season. It just looks like a perfect, perfect goal for him, really. But good luck to him. You know what I mean? He's, he was always one of my favourite players. Um, I had it all. I had it all, literally. Uh, apart from the body, really. He had, yeah. the, he had the, you know, did not, you know, broke down and kept playing with Lego, didn't he? He just <laughs> kept, you know, every other week. He was in for the week, out for the month kind of thing. But top player. Um, I think he'll enjoy that league, mate. Because, again, if, if it could be one of them times, mate, when you see his record in, say, December, and he scored, well, he's played eight games and scored 12. It could be it could be something like that if he actually turns it on. Well, I'll keep an eye on him for you guys, and I'll report his progress and <laughs> see how he's doing. <laughs> Any parting thoughts? Anything from the watch? I'll do a storage watch for you because I do a Fenerbahce watch nonstop. Uh, They started the season good. So that's, I mean, initially when the rumor came out that he might go for Fenerbahce, part of me was like, man, how awesome would that be? But then I was like, I don't know. To be honest, physically, I don't know how long he will last. And like you're saying, that's probably one of the reasons he went away. Because let's face it, Premier League is probably the most demanding in terms of, you know, being physical, being in shape and stuff like that. And I'm sure the training sessions reflect that. Uh, so to be able to be game fits, to be able to play, uh, you know, week in and week out with the schedule they have. So he's going to a league where, I mean, he's probably, you know, the games are probably going to be about as challenging as a training session that he would have in the Premier League in terms of fitness. So... I mean, hopefully he does well, uh, as long as it's not against Marabache, but uh, it'll be interesting to, like, watch him then. Just, uh, just let me know when he's playing against Karius, and I might watch him. He might put 15 parts in. Oh, you know what? That would be interesting. Yes, that's bound to happen. Karius is about to come back uh, from his injury. Uh, I saw that as a headline as, like, good news from Karius for Besiktas, but I don't know how much of a good news that is when he's <laughs> got a backup goal. <laughs> that's like a double-edged sword, or I don't know if it says a lot about their backup goalie. But I can't wait to... Uh, for- I can't wait to be uh, the pop up for task, put a bid in for Andy Lonigan. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, any parting thoughts, guys? Uh, anything from like the weekend that you guys took away as we head into next session? Like I say, we'll probably talk about a lot about Arsenal on Thursday, but uh, as we put this weekend away, what are your final thoughts? Yeah. You know what? No, perfect weekend. Um... Go from the lads, solid. I knew it was going to be difficult. I do want to say, though, on, on the previous podcast, guys, I did guess the midfield, correct? You and did. I'm the happiest guy in the world. Unbelievably. I, I, I said Unbelievably, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get something right. Um, well, it was a you... difficult question, like, wasn't it, really? Yeah, like, I, I, I just thought he, I didn't think he'd play for because he was so poor midweek. Yeah. And, and, and we, he, as I said, he's played weird sides in mad away games. And you're like, wow, where have you come from that? Like, mm-hmm. you know, so he did get it. Um, but no, listen, good side. Um, we done really well for what for what it was. And then City got to go to Bournemouth. They'll probably put 10 past them, maybe 11. And then, fingers crossed, the Reds can do the business. Yeah, I think my uh, my uh, weekend was pretty pretty happy due to football results and fantasy league results. So, um well, I don't even want to go there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
yeah, I, I just think um, it, it's, it was also nice to put a, a bullet at the end of the Coutinho discussion. Um, thankfully, he's, he's gone. We don't have to talk about him anymore. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, good week. Everybody else faulting around us. And who'd have thought that in game week two already, there'd only be two teams with a perfect record. And that's us and Arsenal, and we play them in a few days' time. So, do you know what? Another thing I need to add as well. Actually, um, there's only one team in the whole of the, uh, four leagues in England who've had two clean sheets start of the season with 100%, which is Everton. And then they text me going, "You know, for the fact we're getting beat on Friday against Aston Villa, don't you?" Just <laughs> <laughs> I can't. It's the only thing he's got on me at the moment. <laughs> best player in the world. I did not know this. Really. Yeah, the only one, yeah. They started, they've had, they've had two back-to-back clean sheets, yeah. And well, it, you may tell your mate to, to give the podcast a listen and tell him you shouted him out on, uh, oh, on American Sky. I told him then, going, well, if you've got two clean sheets, you should be top of the league then. Oh, no, that's, no, no, you shouldn't. No, <laughs> no that's how it works. You're going to do something else on the offensive side too, but yeah, they only have like one goal to their name, looks like. So. I know, the, the one sole goal deflected in. Yeah, well done. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it was an ideal weekend at the end of the day, like I say, kind of like coming out of a tough week, get the three points, watch everybody else kind of like stumble along the way. Now, hopefully we'll get like a full week's rest. Uh, I mean, especially at home, uh, when he has the full week, always we come out on fire. So I'm pretty excited about like this weekend's game. So, uh, but tune in on Thursday. We'll be talking a lot about that and getting ready for the weekend. Thank you guys for joining me and thanks to all for listening. Uh, like I say, join us again on Thursday where we preview the Arsenal game. Have a good day, gentlemen. Cheers, lads. Happy days, boys.